All right, good evening. The rich man and Lazarus. You can turn in your Bibles to Luke 16 a while. How do you view people that are not quite up to par with you? Um, Socially, um, people that are maybe looked down upon um, may not do things like I do, like have a house big enough for their family, don't give much in the offering, drive a rusty car. Do we look at these people and those people through Christ's eyes, full of compassion, mercy, and grace, or through our selfish, not good enough eyes? This story here um, has lots of lessons in the story, but I think what Jesus was trying to say in this story Um, Because you may have a perfect life and a successful life here on this earth, that doesn't mean that you're in good terms with God. Um, This story does not line up with the prosperity gospel um, that you hear out in the world. If you're rich, God has blessed you and you're one of his. That's not what this story is about. It's about having a relationship with God. Let's look at the background of this parable. Um, In the Gospels, it's kind of hard to know um, what what all happened, if it happened in consecutive order, um, if it happened as it was written. Um, In John, it talks about that um, many books could be written um, by what Jesus did. But it almost appears that this discussion starts way back in um, Luke 15, um, 14, sorry, Luke, Luke 14. He was talking to the Pharisees, and it, and it says here that um, he was, yeah, it starts out by Jesus healing the um, dropsy man, yeah. And the Pharisees were there, and they were observing. And when we look at the Pharisees, and their um, way of life, their religion, um, as it appears, was an external one, external religion. They had no compassion on those less fortunate as them. They were very proud. And you see that in Luke 14 with the dropsy man. They were there only to trick Jesus. They weren't there um, to, so that the man could be healed. Also, the Pharisees, they murmured um, that Jesus received sinners in verse or chapter 15, 1 and 2. Um, Jesus was with the publicans and sinners, and they didn't like that so well. And also back to um, chapter 14, Jesus talks about how they were, when they went to a wedding, um, it was important for them to sit in the top position. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how it was, but they saw, sat in the most important seat. Um, they, they didn't care about the people under them. They were caring about themselves. Um, from chapter 14 to 16, Jesus speaks a lot of self, dying to self. 
It's not about me, but about God. And in chapter 14, or 16, 14, the Pharisees, it says the Pharisees also were covetous. Um, And that idea there is money lovers. And it's the same word used in 2 Timothy 3, 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. And just a couple of verses before um, verse 14 in chapter 16, Jesus had told them that they could not serve God and mammon or riches. This was not possible. All right, let's go on now to the parable. Um, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees here about this parable. Um, I think this was a true account. This story actually happened. Um, The reason why I say that is because of the word was in verse 19. There was a certain rich man. Isn't that a past tense word? Um, So it's something that had happened previously. Um, In Jesus' parables, often he contrasted one person over here to another person over here, showing um, how their conduct, lifestyle, destiny, and philosophy is different from this person over here. Um, Just like this story here, there was a rich man and there was a poor man. Um, There was two men that went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other one a publican. And another one in chapter 15, I think, um, about the two sons, the prodigal son and his brother. Um, So oftentimes, that's how Jesus did his parables, and we see that in this story here. Like I said in the beginning, this this parable is about whether you know God or whether you don't know God. Not about what what for status we have with our peers. Are we too worried about what people think of us that we forget about the person on our doorstep that needs help? This is a story about two very rich men. The rich man was only for a short time. Lazarus was for eternity. And about two beggars, the rich man for all of eternity, and Lazarus for only a short time. Now let's look at these men a little bit. Um, We see that the rich man, he was very rich. He was clothed in purple and fine linen. And this these clothes were very expensive clothes. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they were, but they were very expensive. It also says that he fared sumptuously every day. And that idea, sumptuously, um, that word sumptuously has an idea of um, splendid, expensive looking, to be glad, um, enjoy oneself, rejoice every day. Now, just imagine, it's, it sounds like it's just a party every single day for this man. He was very rich. He was probably had a bunch of servants. He was served every day. But we look at the rich man. He died. Death is not a respecter of person. We see that. Even rich men, even this rich man, died. We're all going to face it. This man probably had a very expensive burial, um, anointed with spices. And we know that that's how the rich people do it. They're anointed with with spices. But all that the Bible says is that the rich man 
died and was buried. That's all it says about the rich man, about his death. Now let's look at Lazarus a little bit. Um, and the name Lazarus means whom God helps. Now we see that Lazarus was a beggar. And it appears he was the poorest of the poor. He was a really poor man. Um, he desired, it says in verse um, 21, he desired to have the crumbs from the rich man's table. And he wasn't even able to get that. It was desire. So he was very hungry. Um, he was lying outside of the gate of the rich man. And instead of clothes covering him, he was covered with sores. We see that the dogs came um, and to, look his, to lick his sores. They were probably not the pet dogs that we have, um, but they were most likely dogs that were dug around in the garbage. They were unclean in that day. Now let's look at Lazarus' death. Lazarus died, um, probably no burial, no proper burial for, for this man, but taken to the edge of the city and throwing him on the trash pile. And quite imagine that's what happened to him. But um, the writer here in Luke says that something else happened when he died. And I think this is really neat. Um, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Lazarus was carried by the angels at death. Now, what do you think? Do you think Christians today are carried by the angels when we die? Is that why so many times we hear stories about angels... Um, or people seeing angels at a time of death. I thought that was kind of interesting. I think very likely, maybe possibly, that's you know, angels are there to carry carry the saints home. You're not born again by yourself. You're not going to die by yourself. Yeah. And um, Psalms 23, 4, God cares for us even at the point of death. Um, he walks with us even through the shadow of death. Yeah. All right, let's look at their destiny a little bit. Um, we see where Lazarus went. Where, where did he go? Let's just ask that. Where did, he, where did Lazarus go? Um, you see it in verse 20, 23, 24, 20, 22. Abraham's bosom. Yeah, Abraham's bosom. Um, in that day, that was an image reflecting a blissful place of comfort and security. Another idea of that was a close relationship. And, and I think this was um, considered paradise. And paradise is located at the lower parts of the earth. And possibly if we get time, we'll talk a little bit about, about that a little bit later on. But here, um, Lazarus um, had security. He was comforted. He had everything 
he needed, that he ever needs, whereas in the life before, he was a beggar. Now let's look at the rich man um, and where he went. Where did he go? Oh, yeah. Or another word is Hades. Yeah, he went to hell. It's a place of torment. Um, a place for the wicked to receive his reward or punishment. He went to hell to be forever separated from God, his creator, and the one that provided a way of, ex- of escape from this place. This is also located in the lower parts of the earth. Here, instead of having everything he wants, he is now a beggar forever. He is in torment. In verse 28, he says, a place of torment. That word place, um, it is a real place. It's not just some spiritual thing that out there somewhere. It is a place. And I just want to look at some of the um, sources of torment that this man was experiencing, or even for the loss. I, I just have a... My side note here gives a list of ten. I'll just go through a couple of them here. But um, One is remorse and despair in seeing the righteous and godly whom they have despised, now clothed in glory, immortality, eternal life, and all the bliss of God. Another one is memory of lost opportunities in life that could have caused them to be with the redeemed. Another one, regret over deeds committed and which can never be recalled. Another one, eternal separation from loved ones or from the redeemed, which they can see beyond an impassable gulf. And also, um, another one, it's last, fire and brimstone. So that's what this man was um, experiencing. Torment. And all because of a choice. He made while here on this earth, um, chose to um, live for self. All right, let's look at the rich man and Abraham's conversation. Um, the rich man makes a couple of requests, three requests to Abraham. Um, who was the rich man talking to? Was it actually Abraham? What are your thoughts? I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Anyone know? I mean, it seems like it's someone that's in charge of the place there. Yeah, who who who's the rich? Was it Abraham or who who was it? So you're thinking it was maybe Abraham you know, way back in Genesis 12? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think it could have been Abraham, Abraham's spirit. Thanks for that, Dan. Well, let's look at some of his, his requests, the rich, the rich man's requests to Abraham. It says in verse 24, Send Lazarus, which is the beggar, with a tiny bit of water to cool his tongue. Remember, he's in here for forever. Um, I'm not sure what a drop of water would do um, for this man, but it, it shows uh, desperation. Um, he's desperate. He, he, he would like a little drop of water that hopefully would satisfy him. But Abraham reminded him of all the good things he had in his lifetime and how Lazarus was treated bad. He had his chance. And miss the opportunity. And also there was an impassable gulf between them. And Dan made mention of that. That drop of water probably wasn't any more than the crumbs that he was begging for. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I didn't even think about that. As rich as he was living selfishly, he was humble enough to ask for just a little. And that word selfishly, I don't Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you told me about it. <laughs> All right, let's look at the second request. Verse 27. Um, I'll just read that. There, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, Lazarus, to my father's house. Here we've seen that he's praying now to Abraham. Now, there's people that wait to pray till after death, but we know that it's too late for then. But to pray is to beg. He wanted Lazarus to go to his family and warn them of the awful place that he was experiencing. What was he trying to do with Lazarus? And Crick kind of talked about it a little bit um, the other night. Remember what Kurt said? He's trying to make Lazarus be resurrected from the dead, right? He wanted Lazarus to be resurrected from the dead to go talk to his family. Well, what was Abraham's response? What did Abraham tell him? And that's in verse 29. They won't, yeah, it won't phase them because why? Or, or what, what do they have? Yeah, they have the law. They have scriptures. They have the word of God. And he told them, let them hear, hear that. Now, isn't that kind of amazing? That if someone would rise from the dead. <laughs> but yet, Abraham said, they have scriptures. And when I, when I see that, I see that the word of God is powerful, more powerful than um, seeing someone raised from the dead. I think it's so important um, to read the word of God and to believe it for what, it's, for what it says because of the power that's there. Do you believe God's word or do you need an experience or 
see something that might have happened. Now, which verse are you talking about? Verses 16 to 18, I think. Oh, okay. It's trying to tell the Pharisees that you come up with your own traditions and you actually aren't the one that, that verse 18 there talks about the um, adultery. Pharisees weren't listening to that anymore. They had mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it could have been. This is God's final answer talking about um, um, the Word of God and and, um, believing it for what it says. Well, this is God's final answer to man in all ages. Men are required to believe and obey the Bible or be damned. Um, Maybe someone want to quick find Mark 16, 16 and read it. Yeah, he that believeth um, shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Like I said, do we believe God's word for what it says? Or are we looking for our own experience or some other person's experience? Let's believe the word of God. Um, It is through God's word. It is sufficient for us, and it's through God's word that can bring redemption. Um, another verse that I want someone to read, Romans 1.16, talks about God's word being powerful. Maybe someone can quote it. Romans 1.16. Yes, it's the power of God unto salvation, the word of God is. There are different stories where men were raised from the dead. Um, But yeah, there were people that believed, but a lot of people um, still refuse to believe in God. Um, And we went through John, the book of John, and um, studied Lazarus in Sunday school school lesson. Yeah, Jesus bringing Lazarus to life. Um, There was people um, that didn't believe um, in Jesus, and they wanted to kill Lazarus again um, because of what was happening with the people flocking after Jesus. And also, another resurrection that happened, um, people refused to believe, is Jesus' resurrection. Um, so there are stories, there's cases where people were brought back to life, but yet um, people still refuse to believe.
All right, let's look at this place now um, a little bit. Hades. What, what for place is this? Uh, we, we see the description of it. Um, there's a great gulf, an opening where they couldn't pass to the other side. Um, another description of it, they could talk to one another across the opening. And another picture of it, the one side was full of torment and the other side was comfort and security. Is this what we will experience when we die? What for place is this? Are we going to be seeing, able to see people suffer? Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, what you said there, and there's more verses. Maybe I'll read some of these verses myself. Um, I'm going to read he- Ephesians four, eight and ten. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He has descended, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. So we see that Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. And when did that happen? That happened at the time of his death, right? Uh, wasn't it Matthew that talks about the G- So like Jonah was in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be for three days and three nights. When you met Mary, Mary would have liked to hug him, I believe. She said, don't touch me. I need to go to my father. That was the thing that he needed to do yet. And that was to go to the lower parts of the earth to redeem those who live by faith. Mm-hmm. All right, another verse here, Hebrews two, fourteen and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So it was through Christ's death, um, that he was able to destroy um, Satan, destroy the power of death, and bring the believers up to be with him. And we read about um, when the people came out of the graves at the time of Jesus' 
death in Matthew 27, 52, and 53. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So we see that the people um, arose from the dead, and I, I think they went up to heaven. Um, it says it's the holy city. I think that's referring to um, heaven. So this place... Sorry. No, that was the time of, uh, it's, it's Matthew 27. That was the time of Jesus' death. So when I think of um, Hades, it's almost, I guess I kind of think of it as a, maybe a prison. I don't know what you call it, a prison. With different cells, um, different parts, um, the believers and unbelievers were separated. Um, but they were still in one place. Um, the unbelievers were, of course, in torment, and the believers in comfort and security. And we know that the story of the rich man and Lazarus took place before Jesus died on the cross, um, before um, Satan was defeated of death, of the power of death. But since Jesus died... Lazarus is up in heaven and all the saints with him. Now, I believe one side of Hades, one side of um, paradise or paradise is completely empty. While the other side is filling up every day with people. Yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah, right. And I believe someday in the future, talking about Hades, um, this place is not the final resting place for the unbeliever. In Revelation 20:14, it talks about that death and hell or Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So... Um, the unbelievers, they need to face the great white throne. And then after that, they are cast into the lake of fire. Isn't this where some of the Catholics get the idea of purgatory uh, or going there after death? And if you have enough gifts to be uh, given to the priests and etc., you can get out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I see. Yeah. So how does this story apply to us today? All people have an opportunity for salvation. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what's going on in, in your life. If you have what you think is the worst life. If you committed the worst crime. God's salvation 
is available for all of us. And someone, I really like this verse, but someone want a quick quote, John, quote, John 3.16. Anybody know it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe it or believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That one word that I really like is whosoever. What does that mean? All people, it doesn't matter what your situation is, all people can experience salvation. It doesn't matter if you're the beggar or the rich man. We can have salvation. If we're Christians, um, let's be brothers in Christ. Um, let's show compassion toward others, especially the people that may need help on your front doorstep, like I said earlier. Let's reach out to others. First John 3.17. I often think about this verse when I think about um, brotherhood. Well, whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How serious is that? If we neglect giving to others, how does God's love dwell in us? In closing, I just want to read from Romans 12, 9 to 16. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, giving to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own deceit. Be not wise in your own conceits. Let's um, live in unity. Be of the same mind one toward another. Show love toward others. A little short. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for the plan of salvation. I just want to pray, God, that you just help us to reach out to others. Um, be a blessing and encouragement to others. Guide and direct us as we go home. Keep us safe. Help us, Lord, to be focused on you. Thank you. We praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen.